am uh, Nathan, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here along with Pastor Brad. And this morning we are wrapping up our series, Tang- uh, Life Animated, and we're looking at the movie Tangled. And the reason we're doing this is all the greatest stories are actually true. And the reason that they're true is because they're connected to the greatest story ever told. They, they attach to something in us, deep within us, that, that longs for these things, that, that wants these things. And they're true because the story of Jesus is true. And they all tie to that. So this morning we're, we're looking at the story. And last week as we're wrapping up uh, talking about Moana, I talked about a, an identity that we have that is to be lived out. And so this week we're talking about what is that identity? And I think as followers of Jesus, we have an idea of what that identity is. But how do we live it out? How do we come to grasp it more deeply so that we can be who God has called us and made us to be? And so we'll open up uh, this morning with the opening clip uh, from Tangled uh, to help you dive into what this is all about. This woman wanted it all for herself. And in this story, uh, Rapunzel forgets who she is. She forgets her identity. She loses track of who she belongs to and the family that she's part of. Uh, The same is true for us as as followers of Jesus, as, as children of God. We live in a world that wants us to forget our identity. But Paul lays out our identity here In Ephesians chapter 3, in this wonderful prayer that he prays, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We have our identity because we are created by God, loved by God. And so God has created all of us, and because of that, we belong to him. We all find our identity ultimately in him. But we live in a world that wants us to place our identities in all sorts of different things and puts conditions on that identity. Fast forward a a few years, we find Rapunzel in the tower uh, with Mother Gothel. Uh, Mother Gothel who has made Rapunzel her own and wants to keep her to herself forever. You're never leaving. What you don't know is that as the story's gone about, the, the, the king and the queen, they kept Rapunzel's crown. Rapunzel's crown got stolen by this character named Flynn Rider, and he and a couple other ruffians and thugs ran away with this uh, crown, and Flynn left the other two in the dust, and he climbed up into Rapunzel's tower. He got in there, and he says, finally alone, and Rapunzel knocked him out with a frying pan. And he was locked in the closet. And so here Rapunzel is saying, you know, I I think I can handle myself. I think I'm stronger than you think. And Gothel says, no, you're not. You're never leaving this tower. You can't go anywhere. You belong here and are only going to stay here. And you also kind of heard the manipulation and what she was doing there. This world wants to make identity and value conditional. 
If you perform, if you behave, if you're obedient, if you do this, if you do that, then you belong, then you're loved, then you're part of my tribe. But that's not what we find in the word of God. Paul continues his prayer with these words. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Rooted and established in love. It's the foundation. It's something that's done to us from the outside. It's what God does. God loves us before we have everything right. Well, what Paul said in Romans, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Your value doesn't come from you. It comes from the love of God that is placed in you. You are lovable because he loves you. Not because you're great. He loves you. That that means you don't have to clean up all the garbage. That means that you don't need to get everything right before you can come to God, be part of church. Because guess what? Everybody pretends like they got it together here sometimes. Let me give you a little secret. Nobody does. Not a one of us, not even me up here. Our lives are all a mess. None of us have it perfect. The scene I didn't show you was a scene where Rapunzel discovered the crown and the satchel that Flynn Rider was carrying, and she takes it out. And you can kind of see it on her face there. She knows there's something here. She's seeing something and knows there's something about this that's speaking to her deep within. And It is this reality that is true for each and every one of us. Your identity is not dependent on your performance. Your identity is given to you by God. You received your identity because of his love for you. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to sneak into your life and say, "Eh, I know what you were thinking. You're not God's child. God's child wouldn't think that, whether it was about the neighbor or the friend or this thing that happened at work. And he wants to say, see, you're not obedient. You're not doing what you're supposed to. Therefore, you are not God's child. No, no, no. Your value and your worth is established by God, not by what you do. Your value and your worth is given to you by the blood of Jesus. St. Paul says you were bought at a price. The price of the very Son of God. That is how valuable you are. And the enemy wants to show up and say, you're not valuable, you're not worth it. But you are. You are part of the family, not because of who you are, but because of who he is and his incredible love for you. I love this psalm that I sang uh, in choir. And don't ask Marco for me to be in the choir. I've already asked. He's told me no. But this is, this is a, an incredible, incredible piece of Psalms. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. Crown them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You've put everything under their feet. It's this incredible hymn of praise, and it's about this beauty and glory and power that God has instilled on human beings and also about God's wonderfulness in creating all things. God has put us as the crown jewel of his creation. 
We are intimately valuable to him. As Paul continues in his prayer, may you have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of, is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. You hear what, what Paul is saying there. He's saying it starts with being established in love. And as you're established in that love, you can begin to wrap your mind around the depth and the breadth and the height of God. And as you come to understand that incredible love, then you'll begin to understand who you really are. And as you understand who you really are, then you'll be filled with the power of God. And that's something that we know about ourselves, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But we are filled with God. We are filled with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit lives in us. We're part of the family. And more than that, God is at work in our lives because of his love for us and his power at work in us. But we have voices that come into our lives. Voices that want to convince us that this isn't true. So here we're going to hear Rapunzel's voice coming out. How, how did she find the tape that plays in my head? Doesn't that happen to us as people? We find freedom. We find our calling. And then there's these voices sometimes around us, sometimes within us that say, this is not who you are. You can't act like this. You can't live like this. This isn't, this isn't real. And we hesitate, and we're afraid, and we don't think that this is what we're supposed to do, and, and that brings us back to the acronym, which I'm really realizing was way over those kids' heads, false evidence appearing real, things that aren't true that we've worked up in our minds, that we've heard all around us, telling us who we are, giving us our identity, speaking louder to us than the voice of God. And fear is a very real thing in our world. I believe our world really wants to make us afraid. As people in general, and as Christians especially, all you have to do to know that that's the truth is turn on the radio, turn on the TV, and you will see it in spades. They all want us to be afraid. Whether it's economic disaster, global warming, hitchhikers, you name it. The world is a dark and scary place. You should be afraid. Afraid of who you are, afraid of what could happen. And yet this world belongs to our God. And we're called to live in it without fear. Flynn Rider, this character, she's taken the crown and hid it. And told Flynn, unless you take me to see the floating light, she's dreaming of seeing these floating lights, uh, which the king and the queen have released every year on her birthday in hopes that she will return. She wants to go see the floating lanterns. And she says to Flynn, you take me, I'll give you back the crown. And so Flynn, kind of being sort of trying to figure out who he is and what he's supposed to do, is continually trying to get her, convince her that 
no, no, just take me back to your little tower and give me back the crown so we can end this little charade. And so he takes her to this wonderful little cozy, quaint bar called the Snuggly Duckling. And that's where our scene picks up. That's a... We got the next person for the band. <laughs> the world wants to convince us that other people are the enemy. But people are never the enemy. Uh, what does Scripture tell us? Scripture tells us that, that God desires that each and every person would be saved. Why is that? Because Jesus died for each and every person. And yet we live in a world where everyone is always trying to convince us that they're the enemy. To divide us into an us and a them. And yet there is no us and them. It's only us. Uh, we are all part of God's family. We're all created by him. And he wants to call all of his lost children back home. To make each and every one of us part of the family. But oh, do we love to make people the enemy. And I thought about this and I searched for scriptures on this, but I, I really couldn't come up with anything great here. But why, why do you think it is that we like to make people the enemy? I, I won't speak for you, but I can speak for me. And I'll say this, it's a lot easier to find fault with someone else. Oh, the reason this is so messed up is because of you. My life is jacked up because of you. This is all your fault. Instead of coming to it from a place of, what if God has put this person in my life so that I can learn a lesson that he's been trying to teach me for a really long time? And yeah, maybe it's hard. But it's a lot easier to look at someone else and blame someone else than find fault with myself than to work on that thing that I've known I needed to work on, but I don't want to. It's a lot easier to cast blame, to, to lift myself up by putting other people down. This is not a, a new thing, unfortunately. Jesus claimed these beautiful words in Isaiah for himself. Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Jesus claims these words and at first Jesus is the hometown hero. Yeah, this is our guy. Yes, yes, this is what we want to hear. You know how the Romans have oppressed us, and here we are living in Nazareth, and we feel like we don't belong, we don't fit in. Of course, this is us that you're talking about, and God's going to finally see us and lift us up. And while that's true, Jesus reminds them that there's other broken people. That there's people that they wouldn't want to be part of the family that Jesus has also been called to proclaim these good news words to. And they don't like that. They really don't like that. So much so that they grab this guy that moments ago was the hero, take him to the crown of a hill to try and throw him off. Sometimes that's how strong our desire is to divide the world up into an us and a them. 
And Jesus is trying to remind us, it's only us. It's only us who have been created by the Father whom the Father loves, whom the Father sent the Son to die for on the cross. And so he sends us out into the world to be about the work of his kingdom. And sometimes we still carry with us fear. Fear that we don't measure up. Fear that we don't have it. Fear that other people might think we're strange or weird. And that takes us to our next scene in the movie. It, it, it's funny to see it in a scene like that. But what if God's power to heal, to restore, really lived in you? What if God could really do things like that through you? What if that sort of thing can really happen in this world? You see, we believe in an all-powerful God. We believe in a Jesus who walked this earth, who healed people, who rose the dead. From John chapter 14, this is Jesus talking to his disciples before he heads to the cross. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? In other words, it's an identity piece. It's an identity piece. It's about who Jesus is. And Jesus' identity, like our identity, is found in the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I am say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. In other words, Jesus is saying the things that you see that I am doing, you can know they come from somewhere. And when you see them, they're evidence to the fact, the reality that I am the son of the father and I have received his power and I am putting his power at work in the world. And the other catch to what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, I see what God's doing, I see what my father's doing and therefore I'm walking it out in my life. I'm not making this up as I go. I'm doing what I am told, what I'm instructed to do, what the father shows me. And so I'm living this out in a powerful way, and what I'm doing is evidence of who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And we're fine with that for a moment. For the moment when we believe that that Jesus is talking to his disciples. And we can go and read the scriptures and read the accounts and say, yes, it's written in scripture. I know that it's true. I know that the disciples did some amazing things and even greater things in some ways than what Jesus did. But when we recognize that we're part of those disciples too, that, that Jesus was speaking to us too, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. God means for us to be doing the same things that he was doing? And this is Jesus talking here. And we're afraid. 
We're afraid that people might think we're weird, that people might think we're strange. But what if God's power is really at work in our hearts and our lives? What if God is really capable of doing more than we could ask or imagine? What if God, the Heavenly Father, was still at work in this world? What if he's at work in this world through people like you and me to bring his kingdom? Jesus continues, and whatever... And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, the the power of God, the person of God that lives in us, that is at work through us. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Hear that? You know him. For he lives in you and will be in you and be with you. I will not leave you of orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is talking about his power at work within us. Talking about that he is able to do more than we could ask or imagine. But yet we forget who we are. Forget who we've been called to be. Forget who God has said we are. And at times, the world's voice gets loud, and we put it down. We walk away from our identity. And that's what we see happening here at the end of the movie when Mother Gothel has kind of gotten her way. What happened? She was looking at the flag. She was seeing the emblem of the kingdom, the emblem of her family. And as she's looked at all the pictures she's painted throughout the house for her entire life, she sees the emblem hiding in the absences, in the voids. She recognizes that she has known all along who she really is. She's coming to grasp her identity Coming to know in a real and deep way, not a, just a somebody told me once sort of thing, but no, this is who I really am, who I have been all along. This is my identity. This power lives in me. Paul continues in his prayer in verse 20. Now to him who is to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Now to him who is able to do more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Paul will later say it's the same power that it's at work within us that rose Jesus from the dead. It is also Jesus who says in the beginning of this gospel about him, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This Jesus who says, I have overcome the world also says to us, you are salt. You are 
light. You are the light of the world. In other words, he lives in us. His power is at work within us. His identity by grace becomes our identity. We are children of the heavenly father. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say be salt, be light. He says you are. This is who you are. And so he sends us out into the world with his power to accomplish his purposes. Since we got to finish the movie, show you the next clip where she's realized who she really is. Mother Gothel got Flynn, who is really Eugene, trapped and captured by the guards. And then the ruffians and thugs that we met in the, the early in the movie, they come and save Flynn even though they didn't like him at first. And now Flynn has come to the tower to save Rapunzel from Mother Gothel, only that's not how it works out. The enemy wants to trick us. The enemy wants to trap us into being less than who we are, that we might not live out that identity and be God's people in this world. But God has in store for us a great and wonderful story, a story where we play a part in his kingdom breaking into our world. And that end resonates with us. Because that's how we know the world should be even though it is not. And yet that is what is coming for us in Christ. In his resurrection and his new life from Isaiah chapter 61. Provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God is building his kingdom, and he's using you and me to do it, that the world might see his glory and be reborn and made new in him that on the last day, we all will rise and be part of his kingdom forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we don't always know the ins and outs of every story, especially our own. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see um, your fingerprints your fingerprints in our lives, that we may know that you are at work, that we might trust you on a more powerful and deep level, that your grace and your love might be evident in us, because we know your love. In Jesus, amen.